Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 2010, a single kinder travels to the Twin Cities of Minnesota to answer the call of an elder of his clan. Join us as Marco Giovanni is pulled by family loyalty into a strange territory in which he is forced to strengthen his family's influence, yet at the same time avoid destroying himself with his own dark desires. Hello, and welcome to Twin Cities by Night Eidolon. Twin Cities by Night Eidolon is a Vampire the Masquerade duet story with Adam playing Marco Giovanni and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, where you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So you wake up the next morning, go ahead and blow a blood pool point. What's your blood at right now? I believe you started at nine. So you spent one on the ghoul, one on waking up. So it should be seven, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. Sorry. My sheet actually didn't have the blood. Okay. But I'm just going to mark it here. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and keep track because I'm horrible. I keep track of such things. So let's take a moment for you to describe what this apartment looks like, seeing that it's probably got all the same stuff, like we said, that you had in Boston. How would you imagine? It's a loft-like apartment, by the way. You know, it's kind of like has a kitchen area. It's not really segmented into rooms. There's a bathroom that's kind of segmented, but you have like the living room and the bedroom. That's kind of the bedroom's a little raised off the floor, you know, a couple steps that take you to like the bedroom area, but it's all open room. There's like a little kitchen area, but like what, what, how is it after your stuff is brought into there. What does it all look like? It's probably a lot of stacks of books that are not in any kind of shelving, like piles of um, just different older books, just books that he reads for fun, books that he has because he considers them important, but obviously nothing significant, nothing magical or anything like that, because that would, of course, not be out. (laughs) But at the same time, he doesn't he doesn't put forth any effort into maintaining like this illusion of normalcy because he feels like if the wrong people are poking around or whatever, he already has a way bigger problem on his hands. So he doesn't really like like there's no food in his fridge or anything like that. He he doesn't he doesn't play that. He just he just lives in it as he wants to. And for him that just means not having a lot of organization. Like his books are just out. And he just kind of, I wouldn't say that he's not like unpacked because he is unpacked. But right now this place doesn't look fully lived in yet. It doesn't look fully established. It doesn't look like that's where he always sits or this is where he sits down at the table and takes a look at something. It's just kind of, there's a lot of, I don't even want to, I don't want to say clutter because then I feel like I'm misrepresenting it too. But it's not settled. It's not settled at all. Gotcha. Now, what what would in a in a space like this, where would he reside during the day? I mean, like you could say night or blackout curtains and stuff to that extent. But seeing that it's kind of like a you know open air, would you feel safe in a situation like that, or are you the type who like stay in a closet or like under your bed or you know what I mean? Like, what exactly? Where would Marco hide from the rays of the sun? He probably, at least at first, would just kind of lock himself in the bathroom at night. And that's maybe something that he learned to do early on. And he might have something more comfortable set up later down the line. But right now, his first night in this new place, it's our first day, I should say, it's scary for him to 
just be vulnerable in the sense that he is in this new environment. And when he, when it's daytime, that's it for him. And he, he, there's, he can't really guarantee that this is going to be like perfectly safe or whatever. He doesn't know in Boston. He had that kind of comfort of knowing that this is my domain, this is safe. And it's going to take him a little bit to ease into that. I mean, we, I think we see a trend here when it comes to Marco that he has an issue with feeling vulnerable. He feels vulnerable a lot. I would almost say it's like, you know, you've given up the masochistic tendencies that you had as a mortal, which were an outlet like that for you, but you don't have an outlet right now, kind of in a weird way. So you feel more vulnerable, less in control. And then on top of that, you got the kindred condition thrown on top of that, right? Yeah, that's basically, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, he he did have that expression before and he doesn't have that expression now. Like he he doesn't engage in that anymore. And he's thought about just ways that he could maybe ease back into that type of behavior for his own well-being, but he's not really sure how. He's not really sure. It's, I mean, mind you, it has to have been like 20 years yeah. since he's actually done anything like that. And he still holds that whole embarrassment that he had where somebody tried to kind of fuck him over by knowing the type of shit that he did, he still like holds on to stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and also it could be the beast slowly, like trying to get control trying to push you towards those darker tendencies. No, we, that's it too. It's, and he's always trying to choke down the beast. He's always trying to, because it comes out in the situations of his vulnerability. That's when he wants to tear out somebody's throat in an elevator when he's just reading this room and he feels not necessarily trapped, but he feels encouraged to just be who he really is. And in a way, he's still fighting that. So your eyes snap open. It's not like waking up, but it's more like you snap into reality, consciousness again. And you are looking into darkness and you feel the cold porcelain of a tub go along the back of your neck. And you can kind of like smell the rubber of a new shower curtain that is hanging there. And you don't hear any noise but you kind of like feel your legs are a little cramped up. Like you're not like fully laid out, not cramped up, but you feel contorted in this tub. What's going on in your head and what are you going to do once you awaken? So he first feels a relief that, okay, this is seemingly safe. I'm awake. He takes a second to kind of collect himself. He has that strange sensation of that first night at a new place and he just wakes up and he has to like piece together everything that's going on. And then he immediately gets himself out of the bathroom because he does see that as a sign of weakness too, not having a fully established or proper way to retire himself at the end of an evening, keeping himself locked in a bathroom like some kind of scared animal or something. So he quickly just gets himself out of the bathroom. If Jamie was going to come around, he definitely wouldn't want her to but she has. I mean, she definitely has, of course, seen him in this type of behavior or gotten him from a locked bathroom, yeah. summoned him from a closet, this type of thing before. And she doesn't judge it. She doesn't, she would never say anything because she sees that that's just another vulnerable moment for him. And she's probably afraid that saying the wrong thing in one of these moments could cause him to snap. Yeah, I'm sure she can see that. So she just, for sure. So he just gets out of the bathroom and he goes over to wherever the closest window is and he just looks outside and just takes in some of the city atmosphere. Are you still wearing the same clothes that you wore before? 
He is actually. So he'll begin changing into a fresh outfit. As you're changing to the outfit, you look out the window that you're at, you open these large curtains and you can kind of see when you push the curtains aside, you, you, you notice that like the wall that the window is in is like red brick. You can kind of just hear the curtains kind of scuff against it in a way that's normally not as smooth as like places that you're used to living in. And you look out this window and you see this river that slowly makes its way down. You can see like like the the, the vegetation that grows along the river such as milkweeds are there and you can see like in the distance old flower plants you even see a huge old sign that like it looks like a almost like a street board sign that 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 has this name of a flower company gold mill flower that's along there and then you can kind of look across from the river where you're at and you see like these restaurants are kind of built along the riverfront you can see like there's people who are some still sitting outdoors even though it's not completely warm like summertime you know they're still able to sit out there and you see they have like those metal kerosene heaters that they put outside of restaurants like that and you can see like people are talking and you look at this this clock that is set up on the wall one that you were that you've had for years that's on there and you see that it looks to it says it's about 8 30 at night right now and you see on the little coffee table that you have in there that there is a little yellow notepad sheet of paper and you see jamie's handwriting and it says roman will call you at 2 30 in the morning to see where to meet and then there's like a dash and then jamie's name sprawled on there i pick it up and i look at it i will fold it up and kind of put it in my pocket he wouldn't discard something that like a note from jamie and it's kind of weird that he feels sentimental about even just that but he folds it up and he puts it away and he's thinking about what he's going to do. He's not sure if he should maybe call the number that Brian gave him, see how long that's going to take. Maybe this is something he could just squeeze in before meeting with Roman. Yeah. Maybe he's not really sure. Maybe I mean, you, you he'll make Roman options. wait for him. Yeah. He's, he's not really sure how he wants to play it. And he's not really sure how he wants to go about doing this. So he's kind of just taking a moment to, and you have the Think Katrina the game plan. And you have the Katrina Carrington thing too, where you know, trying to repair the relationship with the toy door. There's a lot, you know, that you can go about doing. So uh yeah, it's it's in your hands right now. So Marco will fish around for the card that was given to him by Brian. Mm-hmm. And it's probably in like the pocket of the pants he was previously wearing. So he'll grab those and take the card out, and then he'll kind of tuck it away into a hamper or laundry basket or whatever. And he sits down, he takes out a Blackberry and he types a number in and he just saves the contact. He doesn't go ahead and call it yet, but he's got his finger on the trigger and he's just kind of absorbing the sights and sounds of the city at the window at the same time. We'll say, you said he has a balcony, right? Yeah, he has a balcony. Yeah. We'll say he's out on the balcony, his arms on the railing and He's just kind of letting the the chill of night just kind of revitalize him. And he feels comfortable now. He feels more like, okay, Marco, this is home. This is this is going to be great. And he sees all the life and it makes him feel comfortable because life is opportunity. For, for sure. Him. Yeah. And in and, and Jamie found this area, the city that has this perfect combination of seclusion and life. You know, it's like that that perfect peak. You know, that perfect that perfect bridge between the two right now. And as you're viewing this as it's going on. And he loves the place too. 
he feels that the type of environment that was chosen is more, it's more conducive to the type of activities he'd like to perform. He's of course comfortable and knows that he would be able to get his operation set up wherever he was, but it would have probably required more preparation if it was, if it didn't feel right. And this place certainly feels right. And last night was just proof of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You guys, I didn't think about that. You Christian it in a weird, corrupt kind of way that like made it known that this place is okay. Now, I mean, this is the first time in the city, so you have been on your own too. And, you know, like without Rita there or without this conversation with Philip or anything like that. So is it, is part of the feeling like, okay, like this is your, like that territorial side of being a kindred. Is that also what you're feeling now too? It definitely is. And after the, when he does the sacrament, it's almost like he feels like he just got laid or something because he has this sense of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He has this confidence right now where he's, he's putting his chest out a little bit more and he's just, he feels ready. Nice. Nice. So what are you ready for? So I go ahead and I'm going to make the phone call to, uh, sorry, what was the name of the business one more time? I know that it was called called Allen's and Allen and Sons moving. Yeah. So I'm just going to dial up Allen and Sons. Going to be very direct. I'm going to tell him, this is Marco. Brian gave me this number and I'm just going to see where I go. The phone rings a couple of times and you hear uh, it be answered. Then you hear, hello. And I'm doing things as I'm talking on the phone. I have the Blackberry tucked between my ear and my shoulder as I'm making this call. And I'm kind of just getting my things in order, maybe grabbing a jacket, getting things ready for me to get in the car and just start driving. Yeah, Marco, Brian gave me this number. Oh, yes. Okay. So we have the goods that you ordered. Uh, We can either drop them off wherever you would like, or you can come here and view the goods. Yeah. Why don't I come there? You can just tell me where to go. Yeah, sure. And he's like, uh, and he gives you an address and he explains to you that it is storage units that they have, that they, that they have it. And he's like, and he explains that to you. He's a, uh, he's basically like, yeah, we have a storage unit that we're keeping. Uh, we'll, uh, once you get to the gate, uh, you can just tell the person who you are and they'll direct you to where the storage unit is at. And, uh, you can use, you know, you also know because of Jamie telling you, that there's a GPS in the in the car that you have. Yeah, I'd be like programming it into the Garmin or whatever because yeah. it's not, you know, I, I like 2000. Yeah, yeah, it's one one the plug-in GPS. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that you know, he'd of course be writing it down to transfer that into the GPS when he gets into the car. He he's comfortable with that type of thing, and he'll eventually just you know, like while this conversation is happening, mm-hmm. gra- he's basically just grabbing the keys to to leave and getting everything he thinks he's going to need. Exactly. What do you what do you think you're gonna need for this? That's the thing that I'm interested in. Like, what would you bring with? Do you think? I'm sure there's like a bag or something, like a duffel bag. You'd put stuff in. It, would you have to go in this other apartment that she put like the things that shall not be seen in? Or, um, I'm not gonna bring any of that kind of stuff with me because my goal or what I'm gonna suggest is that I'm actually gonna bring the cargo back to my apartment, and then Jamie's gonna help me get it set up in the room. And even if we can't get to it immediately, you know, we might have to, our company might be required to meet with Roman at that time, but at least we'll have everything ready to go for us in this specific room. So my goal is to try to like get down there, maybe load up the SUV Hmm. and bring everything back. Now they interject. They said that they would bring it to you, that they, they could bring it to you if that's easier. Yeah. I just, 
he doesn't want people. Oh, I see. He doesn't want people to know where he's at. I see. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Black dude pointing at his forehead meme. You know what I mean? They can't kill you if they don't know where you live. You know what I mean? That's that careful coming into play. That's that careful. I'm such a bad vampire storyteller. I'm like, why does he just have the movers move? Yeah, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm the one whose life's at risk, asshole. I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't think about that. So you get into, what kind of SUV do you have? Like, what kind of SUV do you think Jamie would have gotten you? Like a black suburban or something. Yeah. Like something like a kind of bigger that you can put stuff in and everything. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty big SUV. It's not like a brand new, super shiny, but it's nice. It's just a black, maybe like a couple less than five years old, mm. I would say. Nice. So you are driving uh you are driving and following the instructions while you're driving the suburban. You slowly start getting to like the um the more uh, southeastern end of the Twin Cities, where it's kind of you. Well, you don't quite know the, like the whole demographics of the city, but you kind of see that the businesses start getting a little older. The gas stations start getting a little less retail chain like, and are more like given random names. You see, there's more liquor stores and more bars that start coming across. You start seeing a couple homeless people that are walking along, and you eventually get to this this hotel or this u-haul that is that is on the street you see as you drive solely up with your suburban you see that there's this large chain link fence and as you look through the chain link fence you can see those it's one of those u-haul storage areas that have like stacks of you know storage spaces where people can kind of like go up steps and you know like some of them are on the ground definitely for people who have heavier shit but then there's some that are like if you go up steps and people just want to throw boxes up in there or something to that extent you see big advertisement like environmentally controlled storage units starting at like 9.99 a month or something like that you know big bright letters are coming across there you see that there are lights that are on that are throughout the the yard of where these storage units are at. They're kind of like throwing an illumination around there. You see across the street, there's this cheap hotel called the Knights Inn that's across the street from there. And as you drive up in your suburban, you see the gate to drive through is locked and there's uh, like a little kind of like office area that's right by it. it has big windows so you can see through it and you can see that there's someone who's you know working in there and you see like you kind of see the motion of like them looking and then they kind of see them open the door and they come out and you see they go and they open up the gate and they walk towards the passenger side of the suv you see it's a man he looks to be about 40 or 50 years old kind of uh heavier set has a beer gut, has like a gray beard, kind of like greasy, like blondish gray hair that is short, but he kind of has it like trying to slick it back, but not doing too good of a job at it. And he walks up and he's clean shaven and he looks at you and he's like, uh, can I help you? Yeah. My name is Marco. Here to pick something up. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and he goes ahead and he kind of see he starts pointing. He's looking, he's like, okay, if you go up around there and you make a left through that first row, it's on the bottom. It's uh, 107. Okay. And he's like, hands you a key. He's like, this is the key I was told to give to you. And do they have any kind of like carts or anything I can, like, you know what I mean? Do they have anything I can like wheel whatever I get from there? There's something in the, uh, you ask him that and he says there's something in the storage unit that should be able to help you move it around. Great. That'll be all. And I'm just looking at him like, okay, leave now. (laughs) Yeah. And he kind of like walks back and he goes back into the area and he waits for you to drive off. So yeah, I'm going to where the locker is and I'm just going to be as casual as possible. I'm just disassociating 
myself from what I'm doing. This is simply me picking up cargo. This is simply business and this is simply work. And I'm just trying to be as cold about it as I possibly can be. So you drive up and you make a left and you start driving down like there's space between two rows of units. The garage doors are both facing inward. So you're seeing these like garage doors as you're slowly driving and your headlights are piercing the darkness and you can kind of see the numbers slowly as shadows are kind of enveloping this little drive path uh, that you're making your way through. And you see the number 107. You get out of your vehicle and you go take the key and you unlock the padlock and you go and slide your slide up as you slide the door up. And you kind of see darkness right now, but you can see some silhouettes, but then you feel around and you feel there's a light switch like to the to the right and you flip on this light switch and a bright light comes from this bulb that's hanging on the top and you look and you see that looks like there's two like freezer units that are in there and you can kind of tell that you can hear the humming of like electricity of like there's fans in there like you know that they're powered on and you see that there's this cart like a metal like long cart where you can throw stuff and you know what i mean and then move it around and that's it and So I'm just going to immediately begin trying to load up the cart. So you go and you open up the, are you going to open up the freezer units? Is that what you're doing? Because the freezer unit is pretty big. You know, you're not going to be able, you know what I'm saying? It's like, looks like a meat Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Okay. So in that case, I'm going to just leave the cart kind of behind me a ways and I'm Uh going to walk up and see what the situation is in this, in this freezer locker. How, how are these preserved? Is this something yeah. I can take out and take with me or so you open like you take this handle and you open it up and like you open you feel this cold like mist come and you can kind of like it comes out for a little bit and then you slowly see that there's like two figures that are in this freezer and they're in these like black zip up body bags but you can kind of tell that you can't see through the bags but you can kind of tell that they're definitely frozen you kind of like put your hand you can even hear like the black rubber of the body bag like crinkle a little bit when you put your hand on it. like it's been there for a long time and that there's like a thin veneer of ice that kind of is around it too he'll take a second and just kind of look at it and then he'll look behind him trying to gauge how alone he is right now he's weighing his options he doesn't think it would be smart on his second day here to just be seen uh, wheeling a, a cart of two body bags yeah. out of a storage locker. So he's taking a look around. Maybe I can just throw something over it or there's yeah. got to be some kind of way in here, but he's still calm. Yeah, he's still calm. Give me, you notice in the back of the SUV, there's like an emergency, like a, like a old blanket that's folded up with like an emergency road kit that's in there and it's kind of like a setup that you know jamie has put in all your vehicles for if you ever need emergency to wrap yourself in a blanket or you know something to that extent so you see that in there like you could potentially like throw a blanket over this cart or you know yeah i think that's the move marco's going to just very in a nonchalant way pull the bodies out of the freezer and just kind of plop them onto the base of this cart okay he's going to try to kind of position it into a manageable position he's not being particularly respectful of the bodies and he knows that that's not really part of this this these are tools now and philip doesn't need to know what's going to happen to achieve these results that he wants i'm sure if he did he would not want us actually doing this but yeah you never know you never know here's the thing we need to address your character has a strength of two so let me look up the strength of two here real quick physical Strength of two, average, you can lift 100 pounds. So these figures 
I would say they're a little over 100 pounds. You know what I mean? So, mm, but they're frozen. They're dead weight. So I'm going to say that you're going to have to at least buffer up your strength to three to be able to like, you know what I mean? Like get to accomplish this. Would you like to do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So go ahead and uh, you can spend one blood pool point. What does it feel like when you spend blood to raise your physical attributes? Like what, 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 how does it feel to Marco when he does that? It's a rush. He definitely feels a sensation as he feels that strength increase. But at the same time, he feels he has a little bit less of his life force for doing that. And it makes him think about his own weaknesses. Does it cause him to be anxious while he's doing this? It's about 50-50. On one hand, he feels this tremendous amount of power, even just giving himself this slight boost. But on the other hand, he, he feels this reluctance to use the to use what he can use now that he is a kindred he always feels this reluctance especially when he's not in the comfort of his of his haven like you have to keep in mind that what he's good at as far as being kindred and stuff it's all things that he can basically do from the comfort of his haven from the safety of his haven and even like rituals and stuff are dangerous but like he can at least do them in safety and even just this small act of raising his strength this small degree to be able to lift. He does feel this sense of doing something bad out in the open. So how does it feel to make you know that these two bodies are the prince's biological mom and sister who he, you know, ghouled, or that's at least what Rita told you. You haven't even looked at the bodies, you know, you just see, you feel there when you're lifting them, you kind of feel their human form underneath as you're kind of like trying to put them over your shoulder, trying to like hold them, cradle them with both your arms. And as you're putting them on this cart and putting them in the back of your vehicle and everything like that, like what are any thoughts? You said they're just tool. Is that how he's just, that's how he's compartmentalizing this right now? Yeah. He doesn't care. He knows what this is. This is how this works. He has no feelings about, and, and I mean, the fact that it's Philip's family doesn't mean anything either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is what we do, you know. This is what the, you are. You're 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 a kindred. You're a canine. You're a vampire. You know, like this. I'm is, a Giovanni. You're I, Giovanni. I understand. I understand complicated family relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Giovanni subtitle. I understand complicated family relationships. <laughs> That's an understatement of the year. So you get these two figures in the vehicle, and you throw this blanket over them. And slowly you push down the hatch of the SUV as you hear it click and you get in the vehicle and you drive out. And when you drive out, there's this moment where you catch eyes with the guy at the gate and you can see almost like the uncomfortableness that the guy has staring at you through the gate as you drive by. Where are you going now? I'm just going back home. I'm going to be calling Jamie on my way back and I'm going to basically give her my ETA of when I'm going to arrive back at the place. And I want her to be outside to try to help me with this. And I'm going to tell her to bring some things down that's going to maybe help us conceal this, bringing it up to the top floor. She says, okay. And that's all she says, you know, just okay. And then hangs up. So when you get to back to the apartment, which is probably like 930 or 10, we'll say, you see Jamie has one of the doors propped open and you see that she has a vehicle with the back, like the back undone it it looks like it's an suv but a smaller suv and you see she has like these jeans stonewashed jeans on and has a university of virginia like hoodie like this old hoodie on and she is like has these white sneakers and she looks like she's having a hard time like 
moving boxes and everything like that. And then she looks at you and there's this unspoken communication where you understand this is her like putting up a front. So if anyone sees like stuff being moved, they'll under they'll think that's like tied to her, you know, moving into this apartment or whatever. And she's like, Oh, sir, sir. And she looks at you like, you know, when you pull up, she's like, can you give me a hand with some of my boxes here? I'm sorry. I need to move some stuff here. Wait, so she's saying that to me? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. So I just go along with the act and I'm just, I give her like a smile and nod. And so eventually, like in these boxes, or, you know, like she has like a whatever, like just random duffel bags or boxes. You guys both help carry like this blanket wrap figures. You know what I mean? As you like both take him into this apartment number 10. And Marco's not scared because in the comfort of his haven, even though this is a new home for him. He's not afraid of any messes because he'll just take care of them, whatever he has to do. Like there'll be a there'll be a third body in that room if anything goes wrong. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so and you notice when Jamie is helping you move, like she's incredibly strong for her size. You know, and that's one thing that you've kind of noticed at times, like since you've given her the proxy also. That but there you also notice when she's like doing this for you, there's like this intensity and determination to what she's doing. You know, like moving this stuff, getting it in there. And the moment that both the bodies are are in apartment 10 and the stuff from the back for SUVs in, in apartment 8, she just kind of quietly walks back to 8. Like she knows her role is not to know, you know what I mean? That should that should not be seen. You know, I say that sarcastically, but that's how she treats it. You know, like behind 9, clo- behind the closed doors of 9, she can see stuff like that. Behind the closed doors of 10, that's none of her business. And she probably, part of her probably doesn't even want to know. Yeah, and he'll give her a nod as he kind of dismisses her to go back to her own room. He'll probably call her again in a few hours when he is going to be meeting with Roman. But at this point, he's basically going to just start unzipping the bags. He's very coldly just... So is this room empty? Is the loft completely empty? This is the room that is our room, right? Like the one that is eight. So it's... Eight's eight, hers. Eight, eight is hers. Nine, Nine is, is your. Yeah, yeah. Yours where you like, you know, and you guys put the bodies in 10, which is like the no-no room, which is the room where your deeds are done. Yeah, like the the necromancy dojo. Yeah, necromancy dojo. Yes. Yeah. No, I put it. I put it in the in the shared room. Basically, that's like more of a workspace. Yeah, it's kind of like a workspace. But like, of course, she knows that there's certain times where she's not welcome in there. Okay, so ten is where you do the fucked up shit. That that's the apartment where you do the fucked up, fucked up shit. Yeah, because the place where I lived in, I want to just look like a just a just a home. But this other apartment that we have, this is just for. Okay, let let me make this clear. Okay, yeah, yeah. Clarify for me. Sorry, I think I might have gotten it mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nine is the room you slept in, but there's the one that has books and looks like your normal apartment that you live in. That's where you stay in the bathroom. Right. Eight is the one she stayed in. Now, 10 is the room, the the apartment that she leased out that's empty for you to do your dark shit in. Is yeah, that what- and so that's the room where me and her did our thing the night before. Oh, well. oh okay, okay, gotcha. So, that's yeah, you sorry did- if I wasn't clear on that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. just to clarify, yeah. shared space is going yeah. to be like a workshop. And that's where we yeah. performed certain acts the night before. Yeah. And it's in a way, it's set up. Like in a way, there's... How is it set up? Tell me how it's set up. There's tables, there's candles. I mean... It might appear kind of hokey to somebody from the outside, but it's all just things that actually work to him. So it's all of the means that he needs to engage in these types of rituals. So, I mean, in some ways it's going to look like a magic shop. And 
but it's basically adorned with Catholic imagery, prayer candles, stained glass, crucifixes, hanging crosses with Jesus, like very, very like Catholic, just pictures of Jesus. And basically, they're just going to be different devices, different tools that maybe only he knows their exact uses. There's going to be like a well-worn looking pot. It looks like it's been used multiple times, blackened on the bottom, some type of cast iron type thing. And in a way, that stuff is kind of messy too. It's just like a lot of it is tucked away in closets. A lot of it is just set aside. But there is like this table in the middle and there's chairs around it, almost like a seance table or something like that, because he uses the ways that he knows work. So basically anything that he's had success with, he'll just recreate in this space. And that's just how they're going to do it. And she's set it up in a way that looks reminiscent of the way that they would do it back in Boston, which was, you know, I imagine maybe he had a real stained glass window that, you know, he would shine a lantern near to give this mockery of, of daylight. Cause of course, none of this could ever happen in daylight, but just different sorts of symbols. It's always just about suggesting symbols and, like I said, doing whatever it takes to make it work. But this is, during this time, this room is off limits. Gotcha. That's pretty intense, man. So you put the two bodies on the table or just on the ground? He'll try to plop them onto the table and he's not being delicate about it at all. They'll just give a hard thud onto this table. He's cleared off any sort of ritual instruments first. And then he just goes ahead and he just unzips the bags and he's just looking down. So when you unzip the bags, you see the, are you zipping them all the way down or just? All the way, yeah. And just kind of, he's not like pulling them apart, but he's just zipping it down all the way to Mm. where what's inside is exposed. So you unzip both bags and what you're hit with is the image of two bodies. One is looks to be probably in her 20s she has her her when you first start zipping it down you see her face and you see icicles have frosted over her eyelashes but you see that her eyes are open but they're almost glazed over in gray you see she had gray eyes hazel eyes before but you see the frost is almost like coated the eyeballs in themselves and you can can't make out clearly the 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 pattern of her irises you see that her lips are white and cold and blue and you see that her skin is completely pale and as you continue to zip it down you see her breasts and the nipple of them are also blue like they have been void of life for a while and you see a pubic bush of blonde hair and her and and her vagina lips as you slowly pull it down but like you said it's meat at this point it's not like it's not anything that serves a purpose, but you can tell they've been in a freezer for a long time. You can see that they like haven't even started the thaw, even on your drive back, you know, the 20 minute drive or carrying them up. When you do the next body, you see something similar, but you notice when you, they, they she looks to be maybe in her late thirties or early forties, but you notice when you are zipping it down more, you see that her breasts aren't as firm as the ones to as the one to the left you see that there's stretch marks that go along her belly and go along her hips you see the still the same pubic bush but you see like the dimplage of cellulite that the younger one didn't have before that's been frozen in eternity but the 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 the, the eyes are the ones that really get you how they're just glazed over in ice like they died open and they remained open in this freezer this whole time he's just looking at them contemplating 
What time is it right now? It's about 10.30 right now. Yeah, I probably don't have time to start anything serious right now. And he's just kind of considering, you know, he doesn't want to just jump in, try to do some rush job. This is yeah. serious stuff. So he's he's kind of just looking down. But at the same time, this is just work to him. This is just, I mean, it's very real. So it's, yeah. it's not as mystical as it might seem to him. It's very much an actual thing. Yeah. So he's kind of just has like a cold approach to it. And after a while, he'll maybe zip the bodies back up and he's going to just leave the room and go back into the apartment. Then he's locking up after himself. He's confident that they're cold enough to where they're not going to be an issue, at least for the next couple hours. And yeah. we'll deal with we'll deal with uh we'll deal with that when we actually get into what we're gonna do, basically. It's his mindset. And when's that gonna be after you talk to Roman? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna wait till his business with Roman is done before he can isolate himself and, and do what needs to be done as far as achieving res- the results Philip wants. Okay. So we'll say the next like uh, four hours kind of go by as you're just sitting in this, in your number nine apartment, as you're sitting on the couch there and you hear your Blackberry buzz and you see the number for Roman. And we are going to officially end the session at that point. But what we're going to do before we, I let you go is we're going to talk about XP and we're going to hand out experience points first. Before we do experience points, so I know you spent how many points of willpower, two points of willpower? Two points of willpower. So you can get a point of willpower back if you did something to fit, fit your nature. Do you, Can you make a case of having done something that fits your nature? You know, I don't think he really displayed any of his masochistic tendencies. Yeah. Um, I think maybe his, his demeanor might have shined through, but his, his true nature, no. I don't think that, that was something that was definitely kept wrapped up in this session. Okay. Yeah. So you get one point for uh, automatic. So you get one point for playing. Uh, learning curve. Uh, ask the player what his character learned in the course of the night's events. If you agree with the answer, give the player one experience point. What did you learn this evening or this session? I learned that Philip doesn't fuck around. Basically <laughs> saw it in his eyes, felt it in the handshake. I know don't fuck with him. And so, yeah, I know basically how serious Philip is not to fuck with Philip. Also, I know that I am one, I am trusted in this situation. Yeah. Like I, mean, I he seems to, I mean, I, Marco doesn't think he fucked it up enough to where like <laughs> deals off or something like that. Like he, you know, maybe he got by on the skin of his teeth or whatever. And somebody who, who values being charismatic and stuff is all about like impressions and, and stuff like that. And he couldn't be like the top dog in the room basically, but he still feels like he's in a good situation for himself personally in this endeavor. Yeah. He didn't make an ass out of himself whatsoever. Uh, you know, you can, I mean, it's a tense situation though, you know, and even, I mean, I should have had you do a role. I'm going to have you do a role right now. I want you to roll your perception and occult difficulty eight so you got one success a lot of dice one success yeah i know hey it's still it's a high difficulty so when you and this the only reason i'm thinking about this is because about the stuff you learned what you learned also is when you shook his hand and the things that you put together and you noticed is that you know that there are different belief systems that that kindred have there are things that help them control the beast that help them survive through nights 
and you have put together that Rita is probably so old in her ways that she has a belief system that has helped her, you know what I mean? From letting the beast completely take over. But you see the price that has to pay. You see the skin, you know what I mean? The almost inhumane alien nature she has sometimes. When you shook Philip's hand and you noticed, I had you roll before where you kind of noticed all those things, you're piecing together that either A, he's on one of the, he, he is, is, is on a belief system like that, or B, is the beast is taking so much over on him. You know what I mean? That like he's losing grips. And you, you know through your knowledge that for, it's, it's very rare to have young kindred or young, and you don't know anything about Philip, you know what I mean? But you, you didn't get the, with Philip, what you got was you saw signs of similarity, similarity as Rita, but not the alien detached nature. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, that does make sense. And you would say Marco maybe knows about like different, I, I wouldn't paths. say like, all right, paths, but like, yeah, 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 like yeah. he knows about different approaches to the condition. Yeah, and the belief system and the way of dealing with the beast. I don't like using the term paths. because Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you yeah. mean. But like philosophies. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's good to know. I, I knew that he was somewhat familiar with the sects and- yeah you know, probably doesn't know like a whole lot, but he just yeah. knows about just different approaches to, to this whole thing. So, okay. That's good to know that he I mean, may have a higher cult and that's why I'm kind of giving yeah, it to you. Yeah. Okay. So he, he knows that Philip is either like on a path or he's just already given Losing a lot himself. of his humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just already, already shed a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I, how, how comfortable, how aware or familiar is Marco with, like kindred i mean he hasn't met like a a whole lot of kindred or yeah. whatever but like how familiar is he with this kind of concept of just like this is what you are when when you shed this humanity he he's very familiar with the i mean that's what the family so he is. knows what that is like he yeah, knows yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks at rita and she's like yeah. this porcelain doll and has to be done up and she's just how she everything. acts remote yeah, yeah all this, okay. you know the so he gets it he gets it then. he gets it yeah and i mean it's something that you you may even think is going to be inevitable for you if you live to be that long you know and you don't even know how old she is you know what i mean but you definitely know that they're like you look at savino uh your your uncle savino like savano your uncle savano and you don't get that vibe from him you know what i mean like that he's like rita at all you know what i mean but like you just like it's even part of like what you sense from Rita is you sense from the city of Venice itself. You know what I mean? And like that's this alienness to it, you know? Okay, good to know. Yeah. All right. So then uh role playing. I'm gonna give you one point for role playing. Uh uh actually two points for role playing because I think that you did really well. I think that the whole the way that you handled that that scene talking to the prince, I think was really awesome. The whole fear. I think a lot of role players when they play games, not saying everyone but i think a lot like have this like machismo they feel they need their character to have to kind of be like against the grain or stand up or not be afraid or whatever for but for someone to be like oh shit i'm scared shitless you know what i mean by the presence of these people and like the intensity in the room or even that scene in the elevator where you were like yeah i should roll a self-control roll just seeing the fear i thought that was very vampire-like and i really love that and so I, I i'm gonna give you two points for that i hate they have heroism like fucking really like you're not going to get a point for heroism at, at the, unless you, unless we count like helping Jamie with boxes. Wait, is that really in the book? Yeah. One what point heroism on rare occasions, even vampires can truly behave as heroes. Wait, so you actually get rewarded for that? Yeah. You get rewarded for that. How crazy okay. is that? Dude? Yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll just skip bomb. that. 
bunk. So you got four XP. So I don't know how many total XP you have right now, or if you'd like to spend any of it, or maybe you can, we can spend at the end of the next session. It's up to you. I have 14 XP right now, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to spend any just okay. yet. I think I might be maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll, I'm we'll not going to spend any just yet. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. And everyone listening, I appreciate it. So I will catch you next time. If you enjoyed Eidolon, I highly recommend checking out our Ghoul's Fatal Addiction series called Servitude. Set in the same continuity, it will give you a glimpse of major events and people of influence in the Twin Cities. And if you find you can't get enough, jump right into our main series starting with the Negligence Story Arc.